כן. And also the places that get illuminated that don't come together in that process, the places that are split, that are painful. Um, so <clears throat> picking up the jewel of the Dhamma and turning it in different ways. One way we see this, Kilisara was talking so beautifully last night to the transcendent dimension, the divine heart. And it turns another way and then we're in the mess of the human heart. <laughs> and, and they both are there in the same jewel, in the same mind. And they turn, turns in different ways. In the, um, in the word heart, in the Heart Sutra, the, the Chinese sing, like sing sing ming, the, the verses of the faith mind. And in Sanskrit, the word hridaya is the same word as in heart. So it has this connotation of, of really going to the core, going to the most secret or inner place, or going to the, the heart of the matter, or, or also a a way of going to the essence. So it has this connotation um, that uh, out of all of the teachings, this sutra talks to the real heart insight, the liberating insight. Mm. So being with that is, you know, it's, this is, It's a privilege, really, to, uh, it's a blessing that we can even be aware of these teachings and have the time and space and encouragement to, to contemplate them. Um, and in some ways, this practice, the, the Chan or the Zen, turning the mind back to its own nature, its original nature, uh, is, is simple and yet it's quite, and it's powerful and yet it's, it's very uh, challenging too. So to just reflect a little bit around that and how we might approach it this morning in different ways that might help also illuminate how we can hold the practice in a way that honors both the transcendent and the human as we work with the different facets of the one jewel. In the Kirisaro has mentioned several times in uh, different texts, the Shurangama Sutra and in the Enlightenment of Kundanya, the first um, disciple to be enlightened from the Buddha's teaching of the first turning of the wheel, this analogy of the, the host and the guest. Um, and in some ways the confusion that we have around which is which you know, that the host, that which remains, or that which isn't going anywhere, 
or that which is present or that which knows. And the confusion where we keep mistaking uh, ourselves for the guests that come and go. We don't know the host. We don't even know that there is the host. We haven't been introduced. Uh, and we feel that the, the reality is the guests, that which is moving through this heart, and the unreality is the heart. We don't give reality to the heart. And so, um, you know, this is our basic confusion, our fundamental confusion. And in the teaching of Huangpo, the Zen, one of the Zen patriarchs, he talks about having the, a jewel in our forehead, or we could say a jewel in our heart, and we run around the world looking for the jewel, going, where's the jewel? Where's, where is it? You know, people say, this is person's mad. <laughs> Can't they see that they're carrying the jewel? Or sometimes in the, you know, I think it's the Kabir poetry where he talks about the, the fish in the sea going, the fish going, but where's the water? <laughs> All the birds in the air, you know, it's, we begin to get a taste with these non-dual teachings. If we try and think about it, we move further away but we can get an intuitive taste sometimes, a, a little sense of where, what it is when, when the, the sense of duality collapses and we, we're in the host, we're at home. And we feel maybe a taste, a little taste of the oneness. The one that hears the sound and the sound merge. Or another, we had, as I mentioned, our friend, great friend Ian, who taught here um, in the middle of last year, and he brought a quote for us to contemplate from the Tibetan school, which has the same idea, the, uh, uh, the, the, the idea that the, the elephant the elephant of awake, the elephant of enlightenment sits curled in our heart asleep, and we run round the world looking for the tracks of the elephant. Where's the tracks? Or where's the tracks? <laughs> and all the time, the elephant's at the hearth, at the hearth, at the heart. So this practice, us in a way, is inviting us to come home, to come to to recognize how, you know, to be the host is, is inviting us to, to sit with the elephant. And in that invitation, in that encouragement, there's the, um, there's the invitation to really understand the profound intimacy of life. When we're in the place of the host, we're in the place of that which is deeply listening and is not in the proliferation of the mind that's making all the distinctions and separating out the world into the 10,000 perceptions of time, of here and there, of them over there and the differences. Um, we get to have moments of acknowledging that there's no, that the, the world, there is nothing separate from the heart. It's all within the heart. So the sounds, 
you know, they can come and touch the heart. They're part of this one awareness. There is no one separate from this heart. And in in some ways, this is quite hard to tolerate. (laughs) It's quite hard to tolerate that reality. We have a lot of defenses, complex defenses, that sort of serve us, but also keep us in a pain, keep us as... Kili Saro was saying, the contraction of this sky-like mind around a skanda. So in a way, I've heard it talked about the sense of self as like a contraction. And then we feel, we feel this, the dukkha, literally the sense of a limitation. Another, from the early uh, school, uh, the Pali texts, they talk about the, what's called the asava, which means the, the outflow, that the mind is constantly running out, we're constantly running out from the home, constantly through the senses, searching. So the sense of flowing out and looking is, you know, the, the the human heart looking for something. And this invitation in this practice of the Heart Sutra is, is to, to reverse that, to stop running out, to stop going out in through the senses, through thinking, through sounds, through memories, through plans, through perceptions. And... Uh, Rather than, you know, one, another way we can kind of get a sense for this profound intimacy where all things begin to merge and not just as an intellectual speculation to actually have moments of feeling that is actually to allow, rather than running out to the world, allow the world to come to the host, to that which is present, to the heart. Because that moment when we're running out, it, it comes from that feeling, I need something. I need more. Before I can ever really be enlightened, I need more knowledge. I need to know more things. I need to be something. You know, I need to... You know, the difficulty with this whole... <clears throat> this whole sort of... Uh, teaching and practicing is that it can give you the sense of, oh, I, I need something more. And, and it's true in a way. There is a sort of maturing. But, but this Heart Sutra is really talking to a, a radical place where rather than following that sense of flowing out into there has to be something more, some more knowledge, or I have to be something more be- before I earn almost it's actually saying, actually, it's not about getting more. It's actually about the completely opposite movement. It's actually about not knowing or, or relinquishing or, or just recognizing there's a, that, you know, when you recognize moments in this, this heart that the world, you know, everything that, that we, you know, that the heart is not, separate from anything in the world, then there's, a, there's enoughness. It's like allowing the world to come, 
to reveal its nature, allowing the sounds to come rather than chasing the sounds. So actually the, the word in the word prajna paramita, the word pra means before and jna is connects with the word gnosis or jhana or gnosis or knowledge. Literally means before knowledge, prajna. It's not the knowing about, it's not having an accumulation of knowledge, it's actually an intuitive uh, strongly the prajna, the wisdom, is more an intuitive knowing, that which just knows, which is just present, which can just receive and allow the world to, to come. It's not seeking after. This is, you know, this is interesting to contemplate. There's always this feeling, this quite deep agitation. It's almost like trying to milk the world <laughs> all the time, or, or milk other people for something we need from them. Yeah. And yet the irony is the more we do that, the more we feel needy or disconnected or isolated or lonely or dis- dis- fragmented, dislocated. And, and the, the more we can allow the sense of resting in the host, the heart that's just present, then there's a feeling of being able to have moments of sensing the intimacy where it all, where you are all, where it is all, and it's enough, it's, it's, there's moments of, so in the sutra, the, uh, in the Prajnaparamita, Paramita, Prajna, before knowledge, wisdom, paramita, para, uh, gone, uh, gone across, or paramita. Ita is, a, is interesting, is the feminine um, aspect of the, the verb. So it has this sense of the, in the, within the word prajna paramita, or in the phrase, it has this sense of, the, of being a, a a sort of a, a fem, of a feminine nature, hence this sense of the womb of the Buddhas or the Buddhas, the, the, the Prajnaparamita stands before the Buddhas, before enlightenment, before any articulation, before any manifestation. So another way of understanding um, is that which is, is before anything emerges, that which gives birth to. And it's said that, you know, in the beginning of this text, uh, Avadakiteshvara says to Sariputra, uh, starts, Iha Sariputra. And the word Iha in uh, Sanskrit just literally means here, be here. And uh, in some commentaries, it's said that, in a way, that articulates the, this word iha, or here, articulates the whole of the Prajnaparamita Sutra, the whole of the teaching, just that one word. It's saying, be, be in the host. Be here, be here. 
before anything, before you know who you, even who you are, or before the thought, before you chase after the, the things of the world. Be here. So that word, and then it's, it was, you know, said that in the unfolding of the, of the, of the Zen, which is really the Zen school, which is really a school that, that isn't a school ultimately. <laughs> it's a direct pointing, direct pointing to this recognition, this resting back. Uh, that. Uh, that one of the early disputes of the one of the in the third council was around can there can can someone have an awakening to their original nature spontaneously can they through a sound or exclamation or a shout can they or through a, a, an experience or a realization can it happen spontaneously or do they need an accumulative process of knowledge and practices and so on. And it was recognized in that council, yes, there can be in a spontaneous moment that's not dependent necessarily on all the... Which was a, which was a direct confrontation with uh, the, the school of the time, the Savastavadan school, which had, a, which had devised a very complex system of knowledges and practices in, the, in psychology. In the, in the treatises of the Abhidharma. So you get this sense, in a way, you could say, that, well, that happened in the Third Council in India in 200 BC or something or whatever, a long time ago, but you get this sense that that's still being spoken now. It's still the same premise. It's like one of the hindrances is this feeling, that I contemplate this feeling that, well, I need to know more. I need to be more, you know, I need to practice more. I need to have done at least ten sashins in a Chinese monastery in the middle of winter (laughs) under under a Zen master that keeps hitting me with a stick. This is is just too relaxed here at Dhammagiri, you know. These kind of little biscuit tins and tea, tea breaks and dogs snoring in there. I mean, it's just not the real thing, you know, when you read these Zen masters, you read Master Wild and they do their sashins, they sleep for two hours a night. Sleep, they don't sleep. They just lean against the wall from midnight to two and then they start again. That's the real, that's what I need to do, you know, I need to really put myself under the hammer and this is a joke, you know. (laughs) So, but it's still that same feeling. I mean, we can do all that and still miss the point. Or as Huang Po says, you can do, you know, the 10 billion meritorious actions. You know, build billions of stupas and practice and do six zillion prostrations and still miss the point. Still not be at home. Still, it's still another manifestation of that going out. It's not to not, you know, not value the power power of, of practice and of, you know, the maturing effect, the building of barometer, but the actual iha, 
is talking to it's here, it's always just here and now, regardless. Saints and sinners, no distinction, can have a moment of just like releasing out of the the prison of the mind and have a, a sense of the the nearness, the intimacy. As we hear the snore of Jack come to that heart, that which is just present, just resting in its original nature. So when we use, you know, we've been encouraged to use this huato, this whether it's iha can be a a huato here looking at who uh, as a way of emptying the identification with the self in Korean Zen they talk about the what is what is it emptying the phenomena when we're really caught up in a complete, complex mind dynamic, painting a whole picture. What is it? It's emptying the content of the stuff. And what begins to happen is returning to this host, to the awareness, to the knowing, the knowing before knowledge, the unknowing, of the knowing, the unknowing, I'm saying the, that which isn't, which is very hard to dwell, the knowing isn't, isn't so much about having the confidence of knowledge, but the knowing nature, the awareness nature is deeply connected with uh, a willingness not to know. If that sounds quite paradoxical. Or as you know, Ken Wilber says, that people think enlightenment is understanding everything, but in fact it is not knowing anything. It's the mystery. It's returning to that. And so as, as, as we sit in the seat of Avalokiteshvara, the sutta goes on here, Sariputra, um, form is emptiness, emptiness is form and encourages, Avalokiteshvara encourages um, Sariputra to contemplate the nature of the khandhas, to contemplate the creations of the mind. So as we you know, return again and again in our practice today, moments of returning to who, and then it's, the, in Zen they call it the doubt, it's the place of we don't know. The effect of that, I just want to talk a little bit about the effect of that because in some ways we're working with a a very deep place. We're working with the place of the returning to the original nature. But we're also at that very same place, as Kisara said in one of his 
beautiful talks about samsara and nirvana being the same place. At the same place sometimes where you're also going to feel the original split, the place where you know there was a movement at some point away from that into separateness. And there's you know, different levels of that. And you know, my contemplation on that is that that profound place of splitting when we move into, moved into our separateness, that it's associated with a lot of pain. There's a, there's a lot of... Um, the moment of separate psychological birth as a self at some point happened in our life too early to consciously remember. We moved out of unitive consciousness into the sense of me standing alone. And then, in many ways, I see this self-structure is almost a defense against the pain of that movement uh, into our, our selfhood. And so when we come, when we practice at this, this depth, we're not only going to be having, illuminating the, the original brightness, but we're going to be illuminating, we'll have moments. And, we, and, and in a way, this, a lot of this is very unconscious to us. But we'll probably have moments of feeling the effects, the symptoms of the original pain <laughs> of separation. You know, and both of those, and so... You know, this is again, it's turning the jewel back to the human heart, which is more messy and more confused and painful and longing and wounded. So as we sit in the place of Avalokiteshvara and contemplate the creations of the mind, not to forget that Avalokiteshvara is the king of wisdom, but also the queen of compassion. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, and actually, Avalokiteshvara is gender-fused. Gender so as, we, as we're with the creations of self, and when we hit, you know, some of those, the reactions of that original split, I notice in myself, uh, there can be a lot of the effects. You know, it's hard to actually, because there's so many defenses, psychologically there are so many defenses around that, because in a way we've built a lot of defenses around feeling the original pain. And that's, that is actually, in some ways, psychologically speaking, quite positive. We don't necessarily just want to rip those away if we haven't got the capacity um, to heal. But we might touch some of the symptoms of that. We might feel, you know, so I I can feel in this practice, in some ways I can feel sometimes these real openings. And then also, I don't know if you've noticed, sometimes you have real openings and moments of really feeling... You know, this sense of the peace, the timelessness, the lucidity, the brightness, the expansiveness. 
and then almost very near one can feel incredibly the opposite, irritable, uh, negative. Uh, uh, it can bring up deep places of early patterning around the self, not feeling, I was just contemplating for myself, I have very deep patterns. My um, Kilisara talked about his, a little bit about his life and his parenting and his amazing mother. I met Janie May, she was amazing. She, she devoted her whole life um, to her children and she was like this incredible loving mother, but that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> For everyone, and my particular um, dysfunctional upbringing, <laughs> one of my primary patterns is around actually not feeling supported, not not feeling what Kisara experienced a lot of support. Um, so I I have the very deep places, and I and it's almost like this practice invokes those. It invokes both the place of, is the place of the non-dual heart is really independent from the world. It's in touch, compassionate. But the shadow side of that, the self side of that, is the place where it's, uh, I can feel this for me, the self structure feels very wobbly, very, you know, so some of the deeper, a lot of compensation in my life where I've learned to become very competent, but sometimes that peels away and one can hit those places where you feel uh, there's no one supporting me or I've got to do this on my own or some of these really old voices or even parental voices. I'm beginning to see as I practice that some of these voices aren't even mine. There may be things that were felt generationally. No one, they all sort of boil down to I can't trust this world. I can't trust that there's going to be support here or love here or I'm going to be held as a self. And that might not be very conscious as a dynamic because it's you know such a deep patterning that's so defended against because it's actually very painful. But what we feel as a symptom of that, if that's, you know, I'm just talking about one particular shape, there are many different shapes at the self, but what we might feel is this, what I feel often is this irritation, it's like this, which confirms it's a pushing away, it's a version. So it confirms, it keeps repeating the pattern of that, yeah, I can't trust, I've got to do it on my own. Um, it's painful, so, you know, so as Avalokiteshvara plummets the depths of the, the host, and then in contemplating the creations, which are anatta, you know, they are, or they're not our true designation of self, but they've been conditioned, they've been patterned, so they have a self-shape. Then, not to forget the wing of compassion. You know, so, the huato, we're not using that method just to, to annihilate the self-structures or to um, negate them. Mm. But we're using that, it's very subtle, it's very gentle, use it, not use it like a machine gun. You know, ha, 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 that's just thoughts, blow it out of the water. <laughs> that's just my weak self, you know, that's pathetic, you know, who, 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 you can go to hell. <laughs> you know, I'm independent in the world. <laughs> 
you know, it's like, ah, you know, all the other practices we've been doing, yes, that this practice has evoked this level. I can't see all the layers. It's not conscious to me, but I can feel some of the effects, maybe. Ah. So can I then just gather this, this in? Having metta for that, having compassion for that, listening to that. So the who illuminates, but it's not negating. Is in the heart of the bodhisattva, this non-separative consciousness. It's not just, it's just realizing that actually until that prajnaparamita, that knowing, compassionate heart can touch all the creations of the world with that compassion, uh, with, that not, with that wisdom of emptiness that's not negating the existence. So form and emptiness fuse. It's not negating, it's not saying it doesn't exist, but it's not getting seduced and stuck to the manifestation of the creation. But it's able to, to fuse the seeing as it is, the iha, the welcoming here, back home, and also is able to touch with that gentleness, that compassion of the wisdom. Not just burning through with a laser beam. There might be moments when that's appropriate, when we can use that sword to just cut through. But generally speaking, for most of us, from the kind of conditionings, I've rarely met many Westerners that don't carry a lot of (coughs) psychological wounding. It's just how it is at some level. Um, I can't really comment on Asians that much because I haven't really practiced or... I mean, but I don't <coughs> feel that Ajahn Chah carried that, actually, in the same way. And some of the Asian masters I've met, there's a particular... <coughs> particular. I don't really want to go into it now, but before the end of the retreat, I, I would like to touch into some of the cultural inheritance and the placement of the teachings within that, because I think that's quite important. Um, and the placement of self and non-self, but this isn't the right moment right now, but just to to say that's part of the territory. So when we do these practices, we also we, we need to highlight the metta and the kindness and the compassion with the letting go, the cutting through, the emptying out, um, so that the pain, if that does come up, isn't just denied, but is aged, met, touched, emptied, but and integrated. Um, It is also part of the home, the host that can just receive and know, just receive and know, and then as a guest it will find its own way to its own home. The last thing I wanted to um, talk to this morning was to uh, just read a little bit from Nisargadatta. It's Kitty Sara saying uh, another way of another method, and particularly, you know, if the the who is is very powerful, uh, it really just cuts away. 
Um, but if we do find ourselves in those places that are more painful, if we just, you know, if we, we're tipping from that clarity and that presence into the, into the, you know, we didn't, we're no longer of the Kiteshvara regarding the khandas, we're, we are the khandas and we're feeling the effect of that. Then this gentler, I, th- I find it's a gentler method of Srinasagadatta where he just encourages just this simple in the midst of the swirl, in the midst of the complexity or in the midst of a painful state, painful feeling. Just that simple I am, just holding out the I am um, and allowing that to be a reference point to bring us back into this, the, the host, that which is present. And then allowing that sound to dissolve. Question: a, a disciple comes to Maharaji and asks, Maharaj, you are sitting in front of me and I am here at your feet. What is the basic difference between us? And Maharaj says, there's no basic difference. Question says, questioner says, still there must be some real difference. I come to you, you do not come to me, Maharaj. Because you imagine differences, you go here and there in search of superior people. Uh, questioner, but you are a superior person. You claim to know the real, why I do not. Maharaj, did I ever tell you that you do not know and therefore you are inferior? Let those who invented such distinctions prove them. I do not claim to know what you do not. In fact, I know much less than you do. Questioner, your words are wise, your behavior noble, your grace all powerful. <laughs> Maharaj, I know nothing about it at all and see no difference between you and me. My life, is a, my life is a succession of events just like yours, only I'm detached and see the passing show as a passing show, while you stick to things and move along with them. Maharaj, what made you so dispassionate? Uh, questioner, what made you so dispassionate, Maharaj? Nothing in particular. It so happened that I just trusted my guru. He told me I am nothing but my, he's used the word self, and I'm going to say original nature, so it can get a little confusing. I am nothing but my original nature, and I believed him. Trusting him, I behaved accordingly and ceased caring for what was not mine or me. Questioner, well, why were you so lucky to trust your teacher fully while our trust is nominal and verbal? Maharaj, who can say it happened so? Things happen without cause and reason, and after all, what does it matter who is who? Your high opinion of me is just an opinion only. Any moment you may change it. Why attach importance to opinions, even your own? Questioner, but still you're different. Your mind seems to be quiet and happy, and miracles happen around you. Maharaj, I know nothing about miracles and I wonder whether nature admits exceptions to her laws unless we agree that everything is a miracle. As to my mind, there is no such thing. There is consciousness in which everything happens. 
it is quite obvious and within the experience of everybody. You just do not look carefully enough. Look well and see what I see. So here we have this look well, could be like this iha, be here, be here. And so today, this, this trust, may we trust this original nature of our own heart, um, turning, turning our attention rather than so focused on the flowing out into the 10,000 things, what's going to come, the future, which is going to come soon enough, the projects, the plans, the travels, um, staying at home with the elephant, staying at home with the jewel, staying at home, allowing the world to come to us, the sounds, the silence. Skandhas in their play, in their dance, in their creations. Knowing that which isn't moving, which is present. Being that which isn't moving, which is present. <laughs>